Hello, and welcome back to Talking Talmud. I'm one of your hosts, Jordana Osban, here with my friend and Chavruta Ann Gordon. Our daf today, Masachat Sukkah, daf Chavka, page 22. Our daf today begins with a short and interesting first Mishnah. Sukkah amidu velet, v'tzilata mu'ravame chamatak shera. So a sukkah that is midu, midu velet, which we'll define in a few minutes, and whose shade is greater than its sunlight, is considered to be a kosher sukkah. And if a very thick, almost like like a regular roof, a roof of a house, even though it's thick like that and you can't see the stars from inside the sukkah itself, it's still considered to be a kosher sukkah. And so the Gemara begins with the obvious question, which is my miduva lelet, Right? What does Meduba Lala mean? I'm a Rav Sukkah Onia. So Rav says it's what he calls an impoverished Sukkah. So I love this thinking about sort of like the Lechem Oni of Pesach. But what it basically means is there's a Sukkah where the roofing, the Schach, is a little bit sparse. There isn't too much of it. Not that it has an opening anywhere of three Tfachim and greater, but it just doesn't seem to have a lot of roofing. Ushmul Amar Kanao Lev Shmuel means that it has like one reed ascending and one reed descending. So that in other words, there's sort of like two layers of roofing, one that's on top of the other. Um, and that and it's this, you know, sort of interesting type of of roofing put together. Rab Tani Chada Ushmuel Tani Trate. So Rab taught this first part of the Mishnah as one halacha and Shmuel taught it as two halachot. So what are the halachot that they taught? Rav tani chada, sukkah miduv lelet, miduv lelet, midul delet. Right? This should be a tongue twister that we all say. So Rav basically taught this as, that first clause is one straightforward halacha, which is the sukkah that is miduv lelet. What is miduv lelet? It's a midul delet, right? It's a sparse sukkah. But as long as the shade is greater than the sunlight, we're going to consider it to be kosher. So the according to Rav, the Shetzil Tami or Bami Chamata is basically just a description or a condition that needs to happen in order to make the Sukkah Meduv to be kosher. Ushmuel Tani Trate. But Shmuel says there are two things going on here, two different descriptions of two different cases of Sukkah. My Meduv Lelet, So what does he call a Sukkah Meduv uh, according to Shmuel? It's a mibu belet, right? It's a disordered sukkah. Okay? Vitarte katani. And what's the second halacha? Sukkah mibu belek shera, right? A sukkah that is disordered um, is kosher, right? As long as its shade exceeds its sunlight and its fit. So in other words, the idea is, is that when Shmuel teaches this Mishnah, he's sort of teaching it in a two-part way. First, he's choosing to decide what Meduv, or what Meduv Lelet is. And then his second piece is, okay, we know, uh, you know, sort of that where he splits up these two different types of halachot. There's one halacha about the disordered sukkah. There's one halacha about the sukkah, right, that the shade is greater than its sunlight. So he really says these are basically two totally separate halachot that are being taught here. Whereas Rav, when he reads this Mishnah, he combines that first clause that that is all description, right? The V is not a second case, 
but rather it is further explaining or a condition that allows it to be kosher, the sukkah, um, you know, mitzvah lelet. So I think this is an interesting read where we see how the Amorayim pay very close attention to the language of the Mishnah itself. And particularly here, it sort of hangs on the understanding of the word, of the letter Vav, not the word. Well, I guess it's the word and, but the Vav that's here, you know, Vitzlita, right? Is it saying that it's, you know, it has to meet, it's, it's this particular type of sukkah and the shade is greater than its sun? Or is it this sukkah miduvlelet? And the second case is a sukkah where the shade is greater than its sun. Um, Abai then comes and, you know, goes through this interesting case afterwards um, of what we call uh, Chavot Rami, which is essentially the idea that if we're looking at Shmuel's interpretation of this Mishnah, uh, you know, where you sort of seem to have a two-layered roof, when do we say the two layers combine to be one roof? When do we say they're separate? Now, it's a very long discussion on the DAF. I'm not really going to read it. The only thing I want to point out about it is, is that as we've seen throughout Masachat Sukkah, um, ultimately, sort of the way that they, um, uh, well, one of, the, one of the ways that they go about really deep diving into this topic about whether or not uh, with Chabot Rami you need to have a width that's less than a tefach or greater than a tefach um, is they, of course, bring a parallel from a Reuven. They're the case being where you have two Kores uh, that are of different heights and can they actually combine uh, to be one Kores so you don't have to bring sort of another uh, Kore uh, in there. But, you know, just to pay attention a little bit to this uh, this concept of uh of Chavot Rami, um, and also that once again, we see, uh, you know, a Brisa from Eruvin appear in order to understand some of the concepts that we see in Masachat Sukkah. So I just wanted to add, maybe it goes without saying, that the, at least the opinion that said that the Sukkah Medavlelet is from impoverished, is coming from the word Dal, Dal meaning poor. Um, I guess it's a biblical word, a biblical word meaning poor, um, it shows up, I know, in, in one of the Shir Shalyoms, maybe on Tuesday. Um, Dal Vevyon is the general phrase. So the it's not the exact word here at all, meaning there's a vet there that doesn't at all, and there's a second Lamed. But if you're going to play with the words and you're trying to figure out what it could possibly mean, and we know what it means, right? We know that it means that there's a, a sparsity of scarcity of schach. Well, how could that be? Well, maybe it comes from this word dal that somehow got morphed into midavlelet, which is, you know, maybe maybe it's too hard to say that, but that is where the word comes from. Okay, I want to move on to the sec- to Ahmed Bet. What happens basically after all of this discussion uh, is that the Gemara, try, you know, it continues to discuss um, the spacing, right? How much space do you have? between, let's say you've got beams up there, and you have schach of a certain width, and then the spaces of a certain width, and that's the bulk of what goes on on the daf. And then it continues also with a discussion of cross beams, which I find interesting, um, and I kind of would like to make sukkah dioramas, you know, models of exactly how these different cases would line up or pan out, whatever. Um, I think in a full-size sukkah, it might be a little bit too challenging, and I think in a diorama sukkah, it's not ever going to happen, but I like the plan. Now, then, the Mishnah goes on to to talk about... Uh, I'm sorry, the Mishnah. The Gemara goes on to talk about the Mishnah. 
says specifically that, a, you know, quoting the Mishnah, that a sukkah where the shade is greater than the sunlight is a kosher sukkah. Ha ki psula. So what happens if we've got them equal, meaning equal amount of shade and equal amount of sunlight, then the, didn't we already say that that's going to be um, a puzzle? It's not going to be a kosher sukkah. Atanan be'idach pirkin so, but we learned in a different Mishnah, meaning we learned in the, in, in the first parak that if you have the sunlight is greater than the shade, that's puzzle, and that if they're equal, then it would be a kosher sukkah. So here, and, and even there, if you recall, we spoke about, is it, you know, equal, equal and less, is okay, equal and less shade, right? Equal and less is okay, or is it only less, you know, less than, meaning not including equal? So here we are again doing with the math of the, trying to figure out exactly what the, I guess the geometry of how much shade you have and how much sunlight you have. In this case, the Gemara says, Lokashya, it's not difficulty, right? It's not a difficulty because here we're talking about sunlight and shade that are equal, if, if they're equal, then the sukkah is going to be puzzle. What that means is, the Gemara is going to say, is milamala. That this is talking about sunlight that is coming from above, right? Like directly above the sukkah itself or above the schach. And so then there, the other case, was talking about where the sunlight and the shade were equal and it's going to be kosher because this the the whole light was coming from below, meaning they would check it um, they would check on this floor how much it is. So the difference of are you checking from the schach side of things, the roof side of things, and how much is appearing on the floor, on the one hand it sounds like, well, isn't that just semantic? And I think the answer is it's really not semantic because it's a matter of what can give shade, right? What can give shade on the ground? Amr of Papa, Hainu da Amri Inche, Kezuza Mila'el, Keistra Milatachat. So, Rav Papa says, well, that's what they mean when they say, like a zuz, that's a coin, right? Like a zuz above is an istra from below. The istra is used in the Gemara, this term is used to refer to various coins, meaning different value, which makes it much harder to know exactly how much it's talking about. But the point here is, and this is goes without saying, I think, I think we understand it, that the zuz is smaller than the istra. So the idea is that the same way that you could have a small hole and then it sheds a lot of light, or for example, a shadow, right? You could have a small item that there's going to be a large shadow on the ground. That's the point here. And so then the Mishnah continues, Meaning the Gemara continues to quote the Mishnah, Meubek min bayit. If it's very thick, right? If the schach itself is very thick, thick, the question is, is that really going to be kosher? Tan Rabbanan, Hamubek min bayit. Afal pisha enakol chavim near in mitocha kshera. Even though you can't see those stars at all, it's still considered kosher sukkah. Enkol chavei chama near in mitocha beitshamim poslin beitchilamachshirin. The question is, what about the sun? The stars are much harder to locate. They're much harder to spot with a roof over your head. But what about the sun? If the sun cannot be seen from this thick roof, then Beit Shammai would say it's puzzle, and Beit Hill will still allow it. Um, that lenience from Beit Hill should not be surprising. And then lastly, I just want to close off this stuff with this Mishnah here. Halasesukato Barosh Agala or Barosh Asfina. So this is one of my truly favorite um, depictions, I guess, of the rabbinic... Your Dana, you might call it um, 
uh, you know, boundary pushing, but I think it's also really the the creative imagination here of when you might need a sukkah and how, what can you do with it, right? If you're traveling, you have a sukkah on the top of your wagon, or on your boat. That is fine. That's a kosher sukkah. And you can go into it on yentif. You build a sukkah on the top of your tree, up in, up in the tree. I guess it's really on the top of the tree. That's what it says. Or on top of a camel. And you'll recall I mentioned Neot Kedumim, where they have this sukkah on Sukkot. They have this festival showing all these different incarnations, really, of the different cases that are in the Mishnah. So some of them are really about a, a tall sukkah with very low, you know, high walls or a very low sukkah, you know, how, how low can it be and still be kosher? And But they also have a sukkah, al-gabe gamal, on top of a camel, and it is considered kosher. And then the, the Mishnah says, ve'ein olin la biyom tov, but that you can't go up, you can't go into it on, on yantif. You can't go into the camel sukkah or in the treehouse sukkah on yantif. Um... Okay, and presumably the issue is, you know, what are you doing with your animals on Yantif that you could use them for a sukkah? It's not really about the sukkah anymore. It's about the circumstances surrounding it. And then, If you have two of the walls of the sukkah, they're in the trees, and then one is on the ground somehow, by it's a person, or you've got two on the ground with a person and one is up in the tree, then still your sukkah is going to be kosher. <laughs> Excuse me, the ain olin la biyomto, but you can't go into on sukkahs on on yantif itself. Rather, obviously you can on sukkot. Shalosh bidei adam vachat beilan. What if you've got three walls that are in the hands of people, meaning they've built on the ground, and one is up in the tree? Kshera vaolin la biyomtov. And then if you've got three walls that are established in the ground, meaning people built this sukkah, but one of the walls is somehow up in the tree. Then, because you've got your three your three walls on the ground are already a sukkah, you don't need that business up in the tree. So then, that's as if it's on the ground, and we call it, you know, a regular. Not only is it kosher, you could also go into it on yantif. And the complications here of these cases kind of fades once you understand. I think once we understand that what we're talking about. Um, is we're able to make a configuration of a sukkah as long as it's a kosher sukkah with kosher, kosher schach and the right number of walls and so on and so forth, as long as the circumstances surrounding it are fine. And the moment it becomes more complicated, by which I mean on top of a tree or on a camel, well, then the question of whether it's kosher is not a question because we've established that you've built yourself a kosher sukkah and you just can't go into it on yantif because, again, how are you handling your animals? That's not what we do to animals on Yantif. That's not what we do to it. Climbing a tree could be a problem for all kinds of other potential malacha issues. But it's not about the sukkah. It's about your access to it. Of course, if you don't have access to your sukkah on Yantif of Sukkot, that's not very good. And you should find a different sukkah. But the point of, you know, again, how far, what kind of creative cases can we make and find them to be kosher? The list is here. I'm not going to give too much commentary on this particular Mishnah because tomorrow's staff really will do a deep dive. So I guess I'll leave with a cliffhanger, which is, you know, this is really a boundary pushing Mishnah. Um, and I think we'll see more of that tomorrow. So with that, that's our DAF discussion for the day. Rank us, review us on all major podcasts. Thank you to Reverend E. Michelle Farber for hosting us on the Hadron website. Let us know what you thought about this DAF on our Talking Town on Facebook page. And until tomorrow, go and learn. Thank you.